Welcome to another episode of Ditch Review with Dummies. And by dummies, we refer to your hosts. I'm Corey, the dummiest dummy. I'm Zach. I'm so dumb, I don't even know I'm dumb. Zach, what is Ditch Review with Dummies all about? Well, Corey, the podcast focuses in on the debt review process and the benefits of the debt review process. We really want people to hear other people's stories, to see how well it's worked for them, and to think about whether maybe it's right for you. And if you are in the process, how you can get the most out of the process. So we look forward to talking about debt review. We love debt review. Let's let's talk about debt review. Let's talk about debt review. So thank you very much for today's sponsor, Santon Debt Counseling. We'll hear about them a little bit later in the episode. So thank you very much for that. Um, Zach, I hear you've got some good idea, bad ideas. Well, I, I'll tell you the idea and you tell me if it's a good thing or a bad thing. So good or bad, making a budget. Sure. I think it's obviously the best idea because you need to see if your income um, or your expenses actually exceed your income because that knows it's trouble. Yeah, and a budget can be something you do in five minutes or it can be something you do over five days. It's really up to you. So just whatever works for you. All right, good or bad. You take money from credit provider A off your overdraft, your credit card, and you pay credit provider B to keep them off your back this week. Exactly. That is such a bad idea. You know, that is not solving a problem, it's extending a problem. So if that starts to happen, alarm bells must go off, it's a red flag, do not do it. Okay, i got another one for you. Well, then is it a good or a bad idea to go to a credit provider to get more credit when you already know you can't pay the credit you've got? Another second red flag. If you start doing that, there's trouble. You know, it's no use going to look for more credit. I get it. People want to get out of debt. But taking debt to get out of debt is not the answer. You're simply just paying more interest. It's a bad idea. Yeah, and if you're having to, uh, uh, what's the word, fudge the figures a little bit when you make that application, then you know mm -mm, this is not right for you. But I think, Corey, one of the problems here is that a lot of people, if given the choice of making more debt or getting rid of their debt, I think everybody would choose getting rid of their debt. And that's why debt review is so great. But maybe people just don't know about it, and that's why they're not uh, taking advantage of this. Or maybe they've been thinking about it, but they're holding off. Don't hold off too long. And today on the podcast, we're really excited to have Eric, uh, who's here to tell us about his, we're going to call it a success story. Eric, let's call it a success story. You made it through the debt review process one way or another. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where do you come from? What's your background? Okay. Well, I'm Eric. Um, I've been uh, on the planet for 41 years in June. And uh, made lots of mistakes like many other human beings because none of us are perfect and uh, continue to do that. And part of that was, you know, learning in a stage where I grew up, parents didn't have debt and didn't have all of that. And, you know, they said credit card, bad, evil, stay away. And, you know, as a kid, you hear bad, stay away, you know, don't smoke, don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. You're bound to want to explore that. And especially with the fact that when you, um, uncover these certain things and you you at your first job and they give you that first credit card and you go, oh, I can actually get something without having to work too hard for it. And then you forget about the value of money and you you get lost in the 
the buzz and the the hype of you know getting that money and I think that was where it kind of got me and I'm always very um, people orientated I love what I do uh, work-wise you know I work in the cyber security space and it wasn't a journey that I got to very easily because my family was never made of um, substance in terms of money and I had to kind of fund my own schooling I started working in 99 full-time for my dad's business running contracts for 500 rand a month and, uh, and that's 99 so it was, and I had more money then than when I had now you know going through this process and you know I was always out and about um, very active um, but as well got caught in the trap of well I can just fund this by doing that I can just do this by doing that or I can get another job that'll give me more money and then I can, you know, or I can take another loan to pay this loan or I can, you know, and I, I don't like to detract from the whole thing of it didn't just happen on the first day I was able to get my first credit card. It was a case of a period of time that just a like it took a long period of time to get to a really bad space. And a really bad space was not admitting that I actually just needed to stop, take a step back and say, this isn't the good place to be in and start looking at how I can reduce or remove or, you know, not take out something to get something. And it really did have a long-term impact on my life where from about 2005-ish, um, you know, I, I feel that I was more or less in a space that was impacting my day-to-day life and it was making me a much more difficult human being to work with and, and be around because you get angry, you get stressed, you get... so as much as we all like to have this rah-rah about our lives that we two different people and all of this, I think it all just comes together and it showed in the work that I was doing because I was always trying to figure out, well, how do I make this work? Uh, how do I find a, the next gap? Um, and it, it, it made me move jobs in certain instances to get more money. It made me take out another loan here just to make sure that I could cover this one or I'd get a revolving credit loan and pay a couple of months into it, draw it out again, you know, pay in, draw it out again so that I had that extra couple of thousand rand to kind of, you know, dabble it around. Or then you played the roulette wheel where you kind of, you know, put it on a dartboard or you put it on a little spin wheel or you put it in a little uh, uh, wheel, uh, you know, for your, or flip a coin, whichever. And, you know, then you, you kind of pay who you can and the ones that are going to give you less issues. And then the next month you kind of help them and pay them. And it just becomes such a spiraling thing. And it happens... And, and I think this is where the confusion comes in is nobody has the right answer when it comes to debt. Um, nobody knows what's going to work for you and what's not. My understanding of it is now if what would work for me is there's three sort of lines of credit that you would want in your life. And one of those is a house. Um, the other is a car. Cause I mean, I don't know who of you can afford a half a million rand car these days, but nobody, um, which is ridiculous. And it makes me sick when I hear those prices, but nevertheless, um, and then there's also a credit facility of some sort in terms of a credit card. And the reason for that is that, um, so like Discovery Health is one of the ones that I use where I can actually gain some sort of benefit back from it by just using, but actually moving my spend that I would spend on fuel, on food and all of that into there as a, as a lump sum and not actually use the credit facility or use that credit facility for that month. But at the end of the month, you pay in the difference so it goes back to zero. So you're never paying interest on that money because you've got 55 days interest free, but you're gaining all the benefits of getting all the points back. And those are things that I had the fortunate situation of figuring out once I was in this whole debt process, never mind review. 
I was living off of discount vouchers from Vitality Points because I was on Diamond because I would get a voucher for my electricity so that I could top up my my electricity so that I could go and get whatever. And you learn, yeah, pick and pay, smart shopper. And you learn how to maximize those little reward programs to your benefit, but it still doesn't help because you just, you basically just, you're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul and you have to spend money to get those points in the first place. So it's it's never an, it's a never ending cycle. And uh, when I got in, uh, involved with my, my ex-wife, I never was really upfront with my situation. I kind of kept it on the download because you know, the typical man and you're of the house, the patriarch, all that lovely nonsense and mumbo jumbo. Um, yeah, we can't cry, we can't fall down, we can't be weak. And, you know, money is one of those things that you're always told that you know, you're the protector, you need to look after the family. It's all a lot of rubble because if you're not telling your partner what's happening, you, you'd lying to yourself. Never mind them, you're lying to yourself. And, you know, money is going to cause a major issue in the relationship. And that's what happened with ours is it never deteriorated into doing anything against each other. It was just an always constant battering of, of heads because she didn't understand why I was the way I was. And I couldn't understand how she doesn't understand me. And I was still fitting all the bills in the house where she then said to me, well, why don't you pay half the, the holiday? And she couldn't understand why I couldn't, even though I was like drowning in debt. And this carried on into us getting engaged. Before the engagement, it was kind of manageable, could I say. So it wasn't as bad. But then as soon as we got engaged and we went away on honeymoon and I had to pay for that, so I took out another loan for that. Uh, and it was just to Mozambique. Um, you know, then, then it started spiraling out of that control aspect of it. And, and again, then things like your diet goes out the window and your, your um, physical activity goes out the window. And I like to go to gym. I like to be active. I like to go and ride my bike. I like to go and play ice hockey because I've played ice hockey since the early 90s, um, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a fun topic. Um, you know, so and, and the reason why I'm telling the story the way I am is we're not the happiness, the sadness and the ugliness separately. It all kind of mixes together as one big story. And it's a painting that covers everything. And you can't have the good without the bad. And I think everything had a role to play with everything that's happened in my life. And, you know, the debt review process eventually got to a point when I got divorced and I just, I was now on my own, had to figure it out. And I was managing for a little bit. And then I got involved with a company that was extremely terrible in terms of how they paid. And, the, um, you know, they promised you the world and they painted this picture that just was never going to happen. And you only find it out after the fact. And then it's too late to do anything. And it took me a year to find another role to leave from there. And during that process, I actually went to them numerous times saying to them, I'm actually in a position where I can't even pay my rent. Um, and they said, well, sorry to hear your story. That's, you know, you work for us, you get paid what you do, but the goalposts kept changing and they weren't paying me my commissions for whatever reasons, because it was that, you know, they always changed that goalpost that would pay it later. So anyway, I then decided, and being in cybersecurity, that's a bit of a risk to go into any of these judgments, defaults, uh, debt review process, because you become a risk, right? So anyway, I, uh, in October 20, yeah, I think it was 2017 about, I started reaching out to different companies. Now, I made the, the worst mistake in my life. I treated it as a business transaction that you would go to a shop and you're buying a TV and you find the cheapest one and you go with the cheapest one. I learned the hard way that that isn't the best option. Um, I actually had the, I actually turned down 
Saturn um, DCs because uh, they were a bit more expensive. And the proposition that I got from another, I'm not going to obviously mention any of the others that that were in that, but because I don't want to name and shame because they're still a business at the end of the day. Um, But I got the, I got a different feel from them at that time because it was also a different counselor that was there at the, at that time that I really bonded with at that moment. So before we get to the, the debt counselor, now you chose a debt counselor. You, you spoke to uh, about quite a few things and um, two things that I wanted to mention. The first thing is education. Um, yeah. You know, you said no one taught you. Uh, and I think that's not just a you thing. It's a national, it's everywhere in South Africa that, um, I mean, my parents never taught me to budget. Their parents never taught. They, it's like you don't talk about money. And I think that's a mindset that needs to change. We need to educate. The second one is the communication between you and your ex-wife. Again, you know, we are so proud that we we want to keep everything close to our chest. And we need to actually, and that's the thing about debt counseling. When people go for debt counseling, be open, be upfront, be honest. Tell everything about it, you know. So just before we get to the debt counselor part, and how you chose a debt counselor and that process, um, can you give us a bit of an idea of where you were financially in terms of what you were earning? You don't have to give us figures, but compared to what you were paying towards debt and the actual debt that you had and the balances of those things. And kind of just an idea, was it credit cards and that type of thing? Um, before you go to that, I just wanted to mention, yes, there is also things like good debt and bad debt. So, yes, um, some good debt is stuff that you can pay and obviously bonds and stuff. So you hit that. A nail on the head there. But yeah, I'd like to hear about that if you don't mind. No, for sure. And I think, um, you know, at any point, if you guys want me to elaborate on something, please just jump in. Um, like I said, I'm an open book when it comes to this. And I share this story with many people, um, you know, and it's a journey that I had to go on myself to actually uncover because uh, I didn't want to tell anybody anything. I was too terrified. Um, but, you know, as part of the the communication and also the the types of debt that I had taken out. I mean, I started with a typical credit card because it was easy to get hold of. Um, then it was a case of, you know, you get the revolving credit loan because the bank is saying, oh, but we can give you all of this lovely money. And it starts off with a small amount and, you know, and it was manageable. And at the time, my salary was, I would say I've, I've earned a fair salary, you know, throughout my career for where my, my skill level was. And you know, I've always educated myself uh, by myself so some of that time when I took out those those that I borrowed was to actually pay for me to further my career so that I could just get more debt at the end of the day for a, for a short for a while instead of you know using that to actually pay it all faster and I mean these are the things you don't you believe that you can use it to kind of gain that advantage and then you go and I mean, I took out loans from everywhere and anywhere, and I managed to to settle some of them. So I went with the, the dodgy guys that are more the micro loaners um, with massive interest rates, and I got rid of those really quickly because those were only small amounts to kind of cover um, a sort of brief period of time. Um, but it was more the actual banks that were just very open to just, and, and again, not to bash the banks and not to bash anybody. This is their business. This is what they do. It's what they get measured on. So you as an individual still have the right to say no. And, you know, if a credit card gets offered to you at 100,000 Rand and you're earning 20,000 Rand a month, you need to drop that down to at least five or 10,000 Rand maximum because it allows you that even if at the worst amount that you've got outstanding, at the full amount, you're only paying 500 or, or 1,000 Rand at a time, which can be a lot more manageable than when you've got 
3,000 here, 3,000 here, 5,000 there, 5,000 here, plus a car, plus a this, plus a that. And then by the time you look again, you know, it doesn't matter if you're earning 100,000 rand a month. And, and not to say that I have ever um, been in that situation, but it eats away at all of those funds so quickly that by the time you look again, there's no room for error. And then you have that one month where something goes wrong and you miss something and you're playing catch up. And, you know, the one thing that I always um, tried to do was borrow from the others and pay the others and make sure that they were always up to date. And I think that was why I was also able to take out so much new credit because, I mean, I think unsecured debt was almost 800, 850,000 rand uh, with no, the only thing I had was my car, which was on top of that, but that was 260,000 or something at the time. So, you know, if you look at that, there was a much higher risk and the banks should have picked that up a long time ago. And funny enough, one of them did actually. And, you know, FNB and West Bank, they, they started saying no. Um, same with Discovery Bank. Um, and that was when I started getting the feel of, I need to try somewhere else. And then you go to the African banks of the world or you go to, at that time, Capitec was very much lending just to anybody. Um, and, it, you know, I was using the system to try and improve my situation, but I wasn't improving my situation. And it would have been really nice to have somebody turn around and say, Eric, if you if you go this route, you're going to land up in a situation that's not going to be good for you. And it could potentially lead to, you know, and maybe that's some of the responsibility that maybe the banking and the, the, the creditors need to start looking at is not just making it about like the casino vibe and all the fancy lights and bells and whistles and look at what you can get by just getting debt. You know, it's how do maybe educating people and passing them through a program to help them understand what it is. So, because at the end of the day, yes, the creditors will always make money. They like the casinos and, and, and all of that. They always make their money back because they just sell their book to somebody else uh, when they get to a certain point. So the bank is never really in a loss as such. And that's why they can sometimes also be like, oh, we'll give you a 20% discount if you pay us all up front. No, it's not a bad thing. It's just their process. But I do think there is some responsibility on the lenders to provide proper information to us as the individuals where we haven't been exposed to this. Like I said, my family needed no credit. They had a credit card and said, it's evil, stay away, it's the antichrist, you know, don't touch that, it'll burn you, you know, you'll go to hell if you touch a credit card. Um, or then eventually it became, you use it in an emergency, but no one really told you, well, this is, they said budget. Okay, fine. I know I need to spend X amount every month, but how does that work? I now have a full-on Excel spreadsheet that since being in the debt review process, that everything is documented in there from the monthly expenses, from the, the, the bank charges to geez, when I spend anything, when I've got my, my son's school fees, I try and pay every year up front to help me out have less in a month. Um, at the end of the year, that's already factored into that. So I know what I need to try and get to so that I can have that. Um, and that's been a big lesson in learning from going through a very, very challenging um, space. Of, and always just feeling like I'm under this, this blanket of immense pressure that's just waiting for the wrong catalyst to burst. Um, yeah. So Eric, can I ask you about that? Because at some point... Like you said, maybe you have a bad month or something. At some point, there was a tipping point. You'd gone from some like some pretty clever strategies to really maximize. I mean, you were the greatest credit user of all time, right? And now you realize, well, today's the day. 
I'm going to pull the trigger on this debt review thing. Um, you've shopped around a little bit. You've been thinking about it. What was that day when you pulled the trigger and why was it that you made that decision that day? Um, well, actually, I'd been toying with it for probably 18 months before I actually pulled the trigger um, because even before I was in a bad situation at the company that wasn't, I was, I had a, just taken out a two, uh, I think it was two or one credit card extra because I was traveling into Africa. Um, and obviously the others were all maximized, so I couldn't actually do anything. And it was a Voyager um, gold card or something. And, you know, I was I was still managing to, you know, do stuff because I wanted to be in the lounge because I'm going traveling to Africa. It just makes it easier. And credit card, when you're in country, you're paying in dollars. It just makes it easier. Um, and from about that time, and then I changed jobs. And I, I, I deliberately chose to come back into the cybersecurity space because I left it briefly. Um, and the company that I went for, it was going to be half of my salary. But again, as they positioned it, there was a way for me to be. And yes, there was some naivety on my side and, and a desire to be back in the industry that I love. Um, and I, I took the risk. And I think it didn't pay out for me in terms of my salary and earnings. But it, it brought me down to earth and it gave me a kick in the butt to say, this isn't how you should be living life. You know, stress is bad enough as it is. But now if you're compounding that stress by constantly living in this, this, this fear of how you're going to live. I mean, I have a son and at that time as well was when I wasn't able to even do things for him. His mom would be asking for, you know, to get this or get that. We have a really good um, amicable relationship. We're really good friends now for the sake of our son. And even then, and I couldn't do that. And again, she wasn't quite understanding as to, well, you're working, you're getting money. Why can't you do this? It's just a small amount, you know, like 500 Rand. And at that point, 500 Rand was petrol, which was my job. So if I didn't pay for petrol and I paid that, then I didn't have a job. So if I didn't have a job, I didn't have a car, I couldn't pay this. So it, it's, it was just, and I think that compounded with just the, the, the research that I had done. And, and when I was at another company earlier on, um, they had bought into another, that was when the debt counseling had started r- roughly. And I, I was aware of it and, and it's got a very bad stigma around, you know, what it is and all of that. My dad has been um, through judgments and lost his business and he wasn't able to do any form of credit for like 15 years or something ridiculous um, because that was in the 90s before of the new act and all of that were out. And, you know, I vowed never to do the same. So I didn't quite do the same. Um, but I was fortunate enough to have legislation that supported me as a as a person, uh, you know, that I do have rights and I don't have to feel like I'm the worst thing on the, on the planet. And I think that was the worst part of it is that you didn't take the steps because you were worried that people were going to judge you and you were going to basically be a criminal. And I can honestly say it was, it was hard to make that decision. But the day I, I did it was the day I said, I can't even pay any of my bills this month because my salary was next to nothing. And I said, nope, this is it. And that was when I started um, talking to, to, to counselors and, and started reaching out. And from there, I think I did the typical, I'm a tough guy thing. I want to be, you know, do it my way. Um, but again, I also think at that time, I mean, we're talking, what, five years or so ago, it was also very juvenile um, in terms of its where it had matured. And I do think the maturity of, of where we're going is has definitely changed quite considerably. And that was why during my process, the original people that I decided to go with, they started off extremely well. 
almost like when you take out a new contract, you're the best thing since sliced bread. And then six months later, you're just another number, another piece in the cog uh, or on the, on the conveyor belt. And at that moment, I started realizing that if I want to really build my future, I need to find a partner, not just a person that's selling me their counselor, but actually somebody who's there to assist me in developing me as a person. Uh, you know, or not developing me, but guiding me as a person, you know, showing me that the thoughts that I have are not necessarily wrong, but also that I can, there's a, there's an end to this. There's a, there's a goal to this. There's an objective that we can reach together. And I took the decision quite late and I had a really interesting, uh, you can ask Nadia, I had a very interesting um, setup where I had like 20% escalation year on year and it was all weird it was a mess. And this was because somebody decided to win my business by making it cheap rather than telling me this is the best plan that's going to help you in the long run. Um, you know, when you, it's like when you're taking out anything and you see, oh, well, it's going to cost me, uh, let's say an insurance product, and it's going to cost me a hundred grand today, but in 10 years time, it's going to cost me 10,000 rand a month. You go, oh, I should be okay by then. I should be fine. But it's not the case because the, the, the things change, the, you know, the economy changes, we have COVID, we have all these wonderful and weird things. And, um, and that was when it actually materialized, was when during COVID and I was asking, guys, I can't pay because I don't have all my salary. How do we do this so that I don't lose my car? Because at the end of the day, my biggest worry was because my car is my biggest asset that they can take from me, I can't afford to lose it. So I need to protect it. And I then started asking, well, what do we need to do? How do we need to do this? Can I pay what I can? Can I make an arrangement and recover after the fact? And I got these messages on email that were just one-liners or not really concrete enough. And, you know, I had to do the effort. And I think as part of the debt counselors sort of, uh, I don't want to say it's almost like the, the, the Hippocratic Oath when it comes to doctors, but it should be something like that where your goal is not to just have this as a job. This is your goal is to help people become independent and financially free and really understand that this is a very, 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 very intimate process. It is a, it's basically you standing in front of the world naked and everybody's getting to stare at everything that you have a fear of. And you've now got to kind of unpack this with them and open everything and just really just like be vulnerable. And, you know, South Africans are typically not ones to be vulnerable, never mind just men, women, it's everybody tends to be like that. We've all been brought up in a culture that, you know, you roll up your sleeves and you get things done. Um, you fight hard, you work hard, you, 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 everything is, is, you know, you just fight for it, you know. Um, and, and I think we need to get past that. And it's not about being soft or being weak or being any of that. It's none of that. It's yeah. strong to make a choice. It's strong to take a decision. And I think that was where, I changed from the one counselor to, to Sanson DC. And actually we managed to change the plan where I paid him more um, to, to, you know, not have that escalation, which helped me plan better. And it allowed me to find a bit more like stability um, and a bit mm. more patience. And then once we got to the end, I got fortunate, uh, well, fortunate, not fortunate. I had a car accident in, in December uh, where Mr. Delivery decided to, uh, you know, rearrange my vehicle by going through a stop street without stopping and turning right where they're not supposed to it's it's yeah I, i'm hoping that this will reach some of them and they'll learn to actually behave 
Um, because what happened is then I was still in the review process and I can't go buy a car. And my biggest fear was that the car was going to get ripped off. And then what do I do? Because now I'm not going to have enough money to actually fix it. And somehow the stars aligned. I got my money. It was written off on Friday, the 13th of January. Um, again, I, and then they wanted the car back that they gave me as a rental. And I'm going, but now I don't have a car. What do I do? And, you know, I was going to go and buy a really cheap car. And then I thought to myself, well, if I do that, it's going to be a problem because I'm not going to have a reliable vehicle. And then I'm still going to be in the same situation. I still have to pay everything, but now I'm going to jeopardize my job. So what I did was I went and did the maths and I went and, and discussed this with all the, the creditors and got their, um, um, their best offer if I had to settle. And fortunately, what happened was I was able to settle everything and I was able to finish my review process about six or seven months early. And my success story of this is actually what I did was I was <laughs> I got my clearance letter on the 13th of February. On the 14th of February, I had an approval from APSA for my car. Um, I didn't go with them. Um, another company had a, a better offer, um, but I also went for a different car as well. And I now own a vehicle and I was, I've also managed to you know, get the benefits of having the discovery card now where I'm actually utilizing that as I wanted to, to encourage myself to behave. And then I'm still telling my story to people as well, because I do believe that the debt review process is not something evil or something to be scared of or worried about or, or run away from. I think it's actually something more people should explore. Um, they should be honest from the start, you know, trying to cover things up is where you, it got you in the first place. Um, and I think you need to just be aware that it is going to be difficult. It is going to be tough. But if you really put your best foot forward, you can really become independent. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's 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 a really good process. It's a really good um, situation. You do have to go, with, go into it with your eyes open. Um, you can't go into it thinking that, you know, this is going to be easy. <laughs> it was not easy for the last five years. Because, you know, if you need to have, you, you, life still happens, you need those things where you need to borrow money and you can't, you know, your car breaks down, you need to pay for something. How do you do it? Um, so, yeah, we, we you find ingenious ways of managing through that. Um, and I will honestly say I'll never get into that situation again. But that's because I, I, I was dedicated to the process and, and really focused on the objective of becoming free. And I feel a lot more uh, better Awesome. Eric, I think you've actually asked, you actually answered most of our questions already, which is really, really great. Um, one thing, again, that stands out for me is the 18 months. I think you're not, there's a lot of people out there. You're not, you're not alone. There's quite a few people that wait too long before they yeah. approach a debt counselor. I think they really need to, uh, you know, speed that process up. So, yeah, I think that was, that was fantastic. Thank you for telling us your story. We really appreciate it. We're running out of time. So we just wanted to say thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. You know, um, if there's one thing you can tell clients out there uh, that are listening, that potential detribute clients, what would you say to them? Make sure you choose the counselor that works with you and, and you get a vibe from. Make sure that you're not doing it for just the, the amount of money that you're going to save. And make sure that you understand that this is a process and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a hectic but if you do it right from the start, you can actually have a really meaningful life in a lot shorter time than what you would if you were trying to do this on your own. And it's okay to, to fall. It's not okay to stay down. 
Perfect. That's great. Thank you very, very much. Um, Zach, I don't know if there's anything from your side that you wanted to mention. Yeah, Eric, I think that's it's a good example of changing your mindset from before debt review through the process to where you are now, budgeting all the time, keeping a track of your money, making some very good financial decisions now. So well done. It really, um, it's lovely to see it when, when it enables you to, to live your best life. So it's great to see that. Thanks very much. Perfect. And I think also we need to praise people or not praise, but bring this type of story out. I'm not just saying it's for my, for my benefit, but we need to show people that there is, there is a, a better way. Um, and, you know, you just have to take the, you just have to ask. And we need more people to talk to, you know, not just a, a debt counselor, you know, stay away from consolidation loans. Cause that was also one thing that was offered to me. You know, rather go this route, you know, and find out what works for you and then take that approach. But yeah, you know, I, I could speak for hours about this because I'm very yeah. passionate about it and you are the time. We're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to Nadia a little bit, give some behind the scenes stuff now, but I think we're going to have you back sometime, Eric. This is great. This is fantastic. So Zach, how do you feel about um, communication or openness with debt counselors or banks telling people about debt review? You know, are they ethically bound to tell clients about debt review? Um, yes, the banks in particular, they're not only ethically, they're legally bound. So when you get one of your scariest letters about your debt that says, we're about to sue you, that uh, 129 letter, in there it says, oh, look, we're about to sue you, but hush, hush, just quickly just want to throw this in, you can go for debt review. Talk to a debt counselor quickly, you've got a couple of days, let's do it. Um, a lot of people unfortunately don't see that. There's a variety of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is often that they're sending letters to an old address you've moved because you think you've been smart, you got away from them so they can't you know, send you these things. Or maybe you just set fire to all these letters that come from the bank in the middle of the lounge and, and laugh gleefully as you just ignore them. But it's a bad idea because you need that information, just like you need information from your debt counselor. I totally agree. It's, it's really, uh, you know, I think the consumers need to read they need to take the time and know their rights. I think do the research and ask the questions. Yeah. So we've had an interesting interview of uh, what happened with Eric. I mean, Eric, you're, thanks for telling us so much stuff there. But I'm a little curious about some of the stuff we don't know about that was happening behind the scenes. We are very uh, blessed to have Nadia from Santon Debt Counseling with us. Now, if you ever find yourself in a debt counselor's meeting, just look out for the person with a funky hair, because that's most probably Nadia. She's well known also for her work uh, with the CASA, and the CASA stands for the Debt Counselor Association of South Africa. So, Nadia, thank you very much for joining us. It's so lucky to have you on the podcast. Hi, Corey. Yes, I heard Eric's interview, and I'm so proud. <laughs> You know, we've we've come a long way with him specifically, where it was like he said, he wanted to have full control. But at some point he had to say, okay, I'm going to step back a little bit. I trust my dead counselor now. I can see where her head is at and we'd like to meet in the middle. So we worked as a team, you know, and I think he learned a lot of things. Uh, he certainly asked a lot of questions during date review. His curiosity is unquenchable, absolutely unquenchable. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and just to say, my hair is not pink at the moment. I'm growing it out. The, it's too high maintenance. <laughs> okay, well, 
he raised an interesting situation there. So he had been with a, another deck counselor, was happy at first and was being treated like gold, and then eventually kind of found himself in the situation where I think, as Eric mentioned, particularly when COVID hit, things really changed. So there was a need to change things up. You, you had chatted with him before. Yes, <laughs> I did an original assessment that was apparently too transparent. Um, so I said to him, okay, the situation we're at now is this is what you can afford. We're going to need every single cent of this and probably do a yearly escalation of, let's say, 5%. And that apparently didn't sound good at that time. Like he said, he was going through a lot of issues where 500 rand makes the difference. You know, if it's that margin of error that we're working with, we need to be very careful. So he did what he felt was a good choice at that time. And they gave him a lower installment, which suited his pocket at that specific time frame. But to make the proposal solve, they had to apply a 20% yearly escalation. And I mean, if we're looking at the economy right now, that seems a little bit steep, you know? So when he approached me again, he was in the situation where he was not satisfied with the request for grace um, answers that he was receiving from the original debt counseling company. And he wanted more detail. He's a very detail oriented person and very hands on as well. So we discussed and I said, OK, from what I can gather, what Waste Bank is saying is you are OK. Your car is safe. So. He still wanted to transfer. I initially did not want to take this transfer case on because, I mean, we know we're date counselors. It, just taking a transfer case is a lot of legwork. Okay, you have to get the court order, the PDA statements to make sure all the payments went where they were supposed to. I don't have history of who fought about which account and when. So every little detail does make a difference. And in Eric's case, it was just before two accounts were supposed to be paid up and the escalation was upcoming. So I said to him, you know, you know what, let's pause for a second, um, get this all out of the way first. So it took about two months back and forth before we actually instituted the transfer um, because it's complicated. <laughs> So if, if a, one account ends, that amount is supposed to go to the next accounts in line. So just sitting and staring at the court order now, I'm having PTSD. Okay. <laughs> I opened and it. Tell us about, tell us, <laughs> just give us an idea because surely somewhere there it kind of gives you a rough idea of before he started debt review, he was meant to be paying a certain amount maybe, and then it changed, which was probably better. It was probably immediately better in his life yes. because that's traditionally what happens in debt review. Let's say you were meant to pay 10,000 rand debt. A lot of people find that they end up paying, I'm, I'm just sucking my thumb here, 6,000 rand debt, or people have 20,000 rand debt and they end up paying 10,000 rand. Kind of what was his situation? Do you have any figures like that for us, Nadia, or just an idea, an idea? The idea is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten accounts. Okay. And yeah, there's high balances. This court order doesn't show the total amount outstanding and what he was paying before and after. So it's an older format. But, you know, the vehicle was, for example, 285,000. 
And then there was 149,000 Rand personal loan and 51,000 for a credit card and 41 for another credit card. And then we get those revolving facilities that he was talking about at 178. So we're, we're, we're getting there, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a rough situation that he was in. Um, and that transfer was very tricky. Okay. Very, very tricky. And I wanted to make sure that every single variable was locked in tight so that we could hit the ground running and say, okay, every creditor gets exactly what they were supposed to get at this specific time frame. Yo, it was it was very difficult. Uh, we usually don't like doing transfer cases, but Eric bullied me into it. Okay. <laughs> he insisted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you, um, for those who don't know what the escalation means. So you mentioned a 20% escalation or a 5% escalation. Mm-hmm. For someone that, that's not familiar with that term, what does that actually mean and how can that negatively affect a debt review application? So an, a yearly escalation is based on 20% of his restructured amount, which was 9,000 at that time. So then you add 20% of 9,000 to the amount. And then every year, it goes 20% on the new restructured amount. So it climbed a lot. By the time I had him, it was about 21,000, I think. And that's a big gap, you know? So I don't personally like to do escalations um, because we don't know what the future holds. If you see what happened during COVID, it was a mess, you know? So... I, I prefer not to touch files that need an escalation, but if they really have no other option, I would make it as little as possible. I don't want to go above 5% a year. We just don't know if they have hmm. job security. You know, we don't know how much inflation is going to go up. We don't know how the cost of living is increasing right. exponential. Right. So basically we're saying is that 20%, his installment does a gap by 20%, but his salary I mean, how many people's salary go even up by 5 or 3% these days? So, yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, that's something that a debt counselor should absolutely tell a, a client up front. Um, I know that uh, he was, Eric was mentioning it, that people should tell these things. And I agree with him that debt counselors should be upfront with these type of things, you know? He was told about this and he did agree to it. But this is making a future dated promise that you are not actually 100% certain of. You don't know that you are absolutely going to be able to commit 20% per year for five years. Yeah. No one can say that. If anything, it would be nice if debt review payments slowly reduced over time. (laughs) That would be nice. It would be fantastic. It isn't where it is at the moment. We can always hope that one day that changes. But now, Nadia, you made it work for Eric. Your relationship with him, you were able to achieve the goals that he had in mind. You were able to get him close enough so that when that car accident rolled around, rolled in, <laughs> rolled around rolled, uh, smashed in, um, it provided him with the opportunity to then to go to the credit providers and see what could be done with money that was coming in so that he could make that smart move and try settling yes. You want to tell us a little bit about that relationship and how you got it to work and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that we might not know about? <laughs> I think what, what consumers see is about 10% of what we actually do. There's 
a thousand tiny admin steps from application to completion. In Eric's case, I estimate around 10,000. <laughs> and I think that's a generous estimation. <laughs> no, we had great fun and his curiosity about the process, his engagement with it, his dedication. It, it just was an adventure from start to finish. Um, every time I had his perfect proposal locked in, he would ask me, okay, but what if we settle this one now and then do A, B, and C? <laughs> So at the end of the day, he had to just sit down and trust my mathematician skills when I said to him, okay, let's not interfere with the plan at this stage. We had accounts that were ending once a month towards the end anyway. So it was very delicate. And he did not budget before date review, but we got him so educated that he has the Excel sheet that beats all Excel sheets, okay? And he was working out the compound interest and the reduction rates and all all of the algebra. (laughs) So he made that commitment. And that's the thing is, like he said, every person needs to be aware that date review is a commitment. You have to commit yourself to becoming date free. You have to put in the work And you have to be part of the process because you can't just hand your financial life over to someone and expect them to click their fingers and solve it in a second. It does take a lot of effort. So we're all human, you know, and we have good days and bad days. So a lot of what goes into being a good date counselor is the ability to listen in a judgment-free zone and morally support your clients too. So I know from, I, I'm, I'm one of those strong female types, you know, I don't go around crying to everyone about my problems, but even I know there's a point where I need to say, okay, I need to speak to someone. And for the males of this planet, y'all need to just let us in a little bit, please. We want to help you guys, but you are so stubborn sometimes. So Nadia, um, in terms of a timeline, for for his from when he started with you until he finished can you kind of give us an idea of how long it took for him to get out of debt review Mm, okay let me check my system quickly let's see how many months it took him 28 months with us so his court order was granted in 2018 in august and he got out of debt review like he said january so 29 months sorry the last month he paid directly so that everything got settled. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun email listening about his adventures and car crashing. <laughs> I can imagine. And oh, also in terms of helping him with the settling of the debt, did he do it or did you guys actually direct him or help him with, with that type of process in, in terms of getting settlement letters? We have found that it's a lot faster if the client approaches the creditor directly And they have more negotiation powers when it comes to discounted settlements. So we have a little settlement clearance instruction pack that we send out with a little PDF document. And so, okay, contact your creditors directly, step one, step two, step three, CC us on your proof of payment, and we will hound them for the paid letters, and you will also help us hound them for the paid letters. Then they also get a little preview of what it's going to be like, how long it would take after everything is settled because the minute they pay they want the clearance and unfortunately (laughs) life is not that brilliant we have to wait for the stupid admin to get done first so only after every single paid letter is in 
do we say now the timeline starts for the clearance process? And we prepare our clients for that. And their next question is obviously, when can I get date? So I anticipate every question that will be asked in that order. And that's all in the info pack. So it's very well put together. And I think what makes us different is that we empower our clients Mm. to such a degree that they can confidently do these things. This this settling directly is one step towards independence. So I don't want to spoon feed them through Mm. the entire process. Sometimes a consumer has to jump in and help a little bit on their side as well. Mm. So this is how they learn how to do it properly. That's part of the educational section of Date Review as well. Definitely. In terms of the timeline for, from a um, paid up to issuing Form 19 to getting credit, you mentioned that people always want to know in your experience, I know this, you can't say it's going to happen this long. What do you normally tell your client? How long? Yeah, thumb suck it. How long do you think <laughs> it's going to, you know? I usually say, okay, once the last paid letter is in, we issue the clearance certificate to the credit providers and update your status on the national site that says, hey, this person is cleared. Then we have to go and get that document certified and we get all the pay letters together. Everything is perfect. We send that clearance off within five business days. So we go from the last pay letter, it's five business days. Then it gets sent to credit bureaus. Credit bureaus can then take up to 20 business days to complete the process so it could have been you know a month I did warn Eric you can't be too hasty but he was very lucky Um, I think everyone pushed the buttons at the exact right time and very fast for some reason because there we go clearance has been issued to credit bureaus and there's the car I'm very very happy I think it it made up for the unlucky Friday the 13th accident in his case in terms of a client that's potentially listening to say, look, um, in his case, he waited 18 months, uh, but he's contemplating he can't pay his debt, you know, he's borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. If someone like that was listening, what would you say to a potential client that applied for debt review or should apply for debt review? I would say the same thing I said to Eric when I did his first assessment. You have a window of opportunity to fix this that window could be closing. Please do not go and get consolidation loans and then reuse your credit facilities because we as debt counselors have a framework that we have to put your debt into and make it solve in the correct time frame. If your debt is too overwhelming, that window is closed. So sooner rather than later, it doesn't cost anything besides being open and honest to approach a debt counselor and say, please do an assessment for me. You are a professional. Let me know if there is something I can do besides debt review. I've had a few people approach me and say, okay, is it really as bad as I think it is? And then I say, you know what? I could take your money and say, yeah, no, it's terrible. But I'd rather advise you to do this instead. You know, and I said, okay, your debt isn't actually that much. It's not as bad as you think it is. You can have this alternate route. I don't want to put you in date review for five years if you're only going to save 500 rand a month. That doesn't make sense to me. 
So I'm always going to choose the option that is in the best interest of the client. And just make sure that whoever you approach is not signing you up without your permission. You have to consent to be in date review. You have to sign an application form, even if it's on a link that you click, if it's an e-sign type of document, you have to sign. So an assessment does not mean you are already bound. It's only when you sign, and you must only sign if it is really necessary, if your debt counselor has been very transparent and planned a safe route for you to get to the goal of being debt free. Yeah. Now, Nadia, I mean, you sound like a wonderful debt counselor. Fantastic. <laughs> How do people come and find you if they want to use your wonderful services? Uh, we usually get our clients just through our website, uh, which is at santandc.co.za. You can follow us on social media and Facebook. And I think our media manager is doing the rest of the platforms too. I'm a bit busy working in the trenches. So advertising isn't really my main focus. Um, our clients like to do their research, read the articles on our site, see what date review is, how it works, then go and verify and see Hello Peter reviews to make sure we are legitimate. And that's a very important step. There's also a search tool on the DeCasa website itself to verify if a date counselor does belong to the association. It's not a requirement to belong to any association but it does bring some peace of mind to consumers. And DeCasa works both ways to support date counselors and consumers alike. So we, we do have a phone number. Uh, you won't reach me on it. I'm the math lady. <laughs> Besides, I'm way too pleasant on the phone and they know actual work gets done. So that's why I have a brilliant admin fairy and a very trusted team to gather the info and then relay everything I need directly to me. If you hear a cat in the background, that's the office manager. Just ignore her, okay? You know, you, you mentioned the CASA. How do people go and check the CASA's site? What, what's, what's that website? Um, and what about, um, can people check you out on the National Credit Regulators website, that ncr.org.org? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, we have all the websites memorized. It's decasa.co.za, and it is ncr.org.za they publish a lot of informative things for consumers to read if they are so inclined and you can check if your date counselor is registered on the ncr site as well every date counselor has a code so that they get ncr dc 3360 that's me uh, i forgot what zach's code is but he's brilliant too <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, no, but seriously, it's been great speaking to you because it just gives us a little feel for what's happening, like you said, behind the scenes. Uh, most of the time with debt review, we see the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of stuff happening. And that is why people pay professional fees because they're getting professional mm -hmm. help by people who are doing these things for them all day long in the background that they may not even know about. And it's lovely to see you uh, working with your clients like Eric now because it just shows how... Once again, if you find the right day counselor, the right team, the right mix, it can really be a great success. You know, I, I like to think that we don't just do some math and make them pay, but that they walk away from date review with knowledge that will serve them in their future. 
So putting my skills to use to improve other people's lives and taking them from a low point to being free. I sincerely enjoy every single clearance certificate I send out because it is an accomplishment. It is like finishing Iron Man. Okay. It it's a marathon, not a sprint. We pace ourselves. We have to say, okay, calm down. I have to be their cheerleader sometimes. And we reach the high points and the lows and we share it all together. And I've, I'll admit I've had shed a few tears every now and then when I'm like, oh, I'm so proud. I'm so proud to send this person back out into the world and get the economy back up and running. I know it sounds so boring, all this financial talk. <laughs> But I'm hoping that we prepare them well enough so that they can navigate in their future, you know, and that's, that's, we need education and we need empowerment. Yes, we've hit it on the head and that's exactly the idea behind the podcast. We want to educate people, you know, and we, uh, we would love to have you on another episode of Dead Review with Dummies, if you'd, if you'd allow us. Um, Zach, thank you very much. Um, thank you very much to our listeners out there. Thank you, Nadia, for your time. Eric, for his story. I think it uh, it's it really is uh, you know a blessing in disguise to have people like you that actually look after they look after them and they know that they actually have someone that takes their interest to heart. Yeah, the support is very important. I forgot our phone number. I should probably give that go for right. It. Please go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you can contact us on 087-550-1122. That is a WhatsApp line. It's 087-550-1122. You're mentioning it's a WhatsApp line as well? It is a WhatsApp line, though. If you are going to apply to say, don't just say hi. Say, hello, this is me. This is my situation. I am currently under date review or I'm first time applicant. Let us know what the entire situation is and then we can sort you out instantly. Thank you very much. Well, I don't know. I, I, you know, I sometimes I feel like I'm getting smarter. So maybe today I'm a little less dumb than I normally am because it was great to hear all that stuff. And debt review really coming through to make a massive difference. They're changing someone's life. I mean, if you, uh, Eric, um, being a non-budgeter, becoming a budgeter, uh, having a mountain of debt. Oh, so scary to, to be out of debt. And that really is amazing. What a wonderful process this is. Uh, and it's great to hear people's stories. Corey, thank you very much. And like you said, thanks to our listeners. Definitely. And we'll see you all on the next episode of Debt Review with Dummies. Mm-hmm.